on, there we go. All right, grab your Bibles real quickly. Let's just jump right in this thing. Jump right in this thing. We got a lot to cover today. Uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. Isn't it good to be saved? I tell you what, I love our, I love our worship team, the choir, and all that they do. They minister to my heart every single week. And I tell you what, you never need to take them for granted. God has a way. God has a way of removing things that we take for granted sometimes just so we can appreciate it. And I don't need him to do that, and you don't either. So when they get up and sing, uh, we need to appreciate it. Say amen. amen. And you say, how do I appreciate it? Sing with them. Sing with them. We done went through a whole series on this thing, being engaged in worship and singing in worship. And, uh, and, I, and we got to be careful. We got to be careful for several weeks. Boy, we was engaged and we sang from the top of our lungs. But how many of y'all know it's easy to slack off? Yeah. All right, so let's don't be doing that. Let's don't be doing that. When we worship, we all worship. We all sing. We get with it. We sing with all of our heart. We worship and rejoice in the Lord. And all of God's people say it. Amen. Uh, first Corinthians, excuse me, Second Corinthians, chapter number one. Uh, we're going to read a few verses here, and and uh, and, and deal. Uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a dark subject. I, you know, sometimes I I, I I wonder why God leads me to the the places He leads me, and as far as uh, what I'm going to preach. Uh, but there is a reason, and 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 a lot of times, a lot of times I find myself preaching to myself more than anything. And uh, sometimes I know if I get help, somebody else is bound to be going through the same thing. How many, of you, how many of you have ever been in a place in your life where you just did not think you were going to make it? You just didn't think you was going to make it. You know, sometimes, sometimes uh, uh, we, we look at ourselves and we, when we get to that place, when we get weak, when we get tired spiritually, emotionally, physically, uh, uh, the devil uses that in a way to make us feel guilty. Right. Maybe not you, but he does me. Because if I was what I was supposed to be, I wouldn't be feeling like this. Right. If I was as strong a Christian as I should be, uh, this wouldn't bother me like it is. And boy, he's good at what he does, isn't he? Amen. But remember this, he's the father of all lies. Right. He's a liar and the truth ain't in him. Say amen. Now, and, and we're, let me jump in. I'm going to get ahead of myself. All right, here we go. Have you found your spot? Say amen. amen. Paul, an, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints, which are in all Achaia. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God. Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Amen. amen. I just have to say amen right there. Who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us. And, and the word abound means to overflow. In other words, they didn't just have a little bit in their cup. Their, their, their suffering level was overflowing is what he's saying. In other words, we're going through it. So our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. 
which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. For whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye also be of the consolation. Then he opens up his heart and, and he just begins to get real with him and share the truth. And this is really one of the most personal letters that Paul writes to the church. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Somebody say amen. amen. He delivered us past. He doth deliver present. He will yet deliver future. I'm glad he's a past delivering God. He's a present delivering God. And he's a future delivering God. Somebody say amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word and your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit that's in this place. I felt you already. Oh, God, I recognize how desperately I need you in this message. Please help me deliver your word as you've given it to me. And, Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let me read a few quotes from some incredible men of God. You may think this is coming from a baby Christian or a weak Christian. But this, is, this, this quote is coming from a man who was called the greatest preacher in the English-speaking world in his day. Dr. John Henry Jowett says, You seem to imagine that I have no ups and downs, but just a level and lofty stretch of spiritual attainment with unbroken joy and equanimity. By no means... I am often perfectly wretched and everything appears most murky. This is coming from a man who was said to be the greatest speaker in the English-speaking world. Dr. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who was called the Prince of Preachers there in London. Listen, he says this, I am the subject of depressions of spirit so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extremes of wretchedness as I go to. I, I I read those I read those quotes and 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 honestly, it, 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 as bad as I felt for them, it kind of made me feel a little better. And you say, well, why, why do you say that? Because there's so many times there's so many times I have felt guilty for being low, felt guilty for being down, felt guilty because it seemed like even when the sun was shining that it was cloudy outside. I felt guilty over my spirituality, felt guilty over my calling. How in the world am I going to go into that building? And all of those people are coming to me to get encouragement, to get help, to be lifted up, to be, listen, uh, uh, to be brought out of their doldrums and be brought out of their bad situation. I've got to be up even if I feel down. I feel like a hypocrite. What in the world's going on? I must be the worst preacher in the world for going through this. You know what? I find out I'm normal. I'm normal. These great men of God who were best-selling book writers, they were 
preachers who preach to crowds beyond my comprehension. They said there's times in their life when it's dark, times in their life when they went through great depressions, times in their life when they didn't think they'd ever make it. And you know what? They've got something in common with one of the greatest scripture writers in all of the Bible, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, I, I went and, and, and read the background to these letters, First and Second Corinthians. Actually, there was four letters that he wrote, three trips that he made there, and it was not good. They were not receiving his word. They were not receiving his teaching and his encouragement. They were false teachers that had come in to the church, and it was a bad, bad situation. And he begins to open up his heart to him and open up, listen, the, the life that he had faced and the difficulties he had faced. And he said, let me tell you about a situation in my life. Let me tell you about something that I went through. It was a situation that was so dire and it was so difficult and it was so hard. We despaired even of life. The word despair means no exit, no way out. He said, I looked to my left and I looked to my right. I looked all around me and I couldn't find a way out of my situation. I thought I would die. What happened to me in Asia? And some, there's, there's, there's many, many different opinions about what that might be. Uh, one of the verses that he gave, he said he fought beasts in Ephesus. Some believe that he was put and arrested and put, and most of you seen a Red Fox's Book of Martyrs, there'd be times and places where Christians would be arrested and, and put in coliseums and, and wrapped in animal skins and turned loose with, 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 with tigers or wolves or lions that had been starved. And, and listen, they had to fight wild beasts. Wild dogs, different things, and, and it, it may be that was the case. Maybe it was the situation with Demetrius when Demetrius came against him and caused a riot. There was times that he was stoned, times that he was beaten with rods, and he said, well, listen, this situation was so bad and so desperate, I didn't think I was going to make it. I didn't think I was going to make it. I'd given up on life. I didn't have it in me. How many of y'all have ever heard people say, God won't put more on you than you can handle? That is a lie. That is a lie. Here, this is where they get that from. The Bible does say God will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, tempted with sin or tempted with disobedience, above that you are able, but will with the temptation give you a way of escape. But nowhere in the Bible does he say that he will not put more hardship, more difficulty, more pain, more suffering than you can handle. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Nowhere. Here in these few verses, here in these few verses, I, I, I went down and just picked these, these words out. In just a matter of 10 or 11 verses, you find the word tribulation. You find the word trouble twice. You find the word suffering three times. You find the word afflicted, suffer, despaired, death, sentence of death, death two times. I'm thinking, good gracious, all in this and Paul is sharing what he's going through. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look what he says. He says in verse 23, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes and stripes doesn't mean stripes on his jacket. It means whipping on his back. Are y'all with me? Say amen. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths oft. 
of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes, save one. In other words, 39 stripes. Five times he was beaten with 39 stripes. Thrice I was beaten. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without. In other words, all the things I have to worry about with the false teachers and the false doctrine and the people that are after my life and are trying to kill me and snuff me out. All of those things that I had to deal with outside that which cometh upon me daily, but also the care of all the churches. He says, I have this burden that I carry, this difficulty that I face. My life is in jeopardy every single day. More you're reminded of what Job said. Job said in Job 14.1, man that is born of woman is a few days. Few days and full of trouble. 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul is telling Timothy, he says, yea and all. I said all. Say that with me. Yea and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Acts 14.22 says this. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. And that we must through much tribulation, that we through much tribulation will enter into the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 4.19 says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. What does that say? The reality, the reality of suffering is this. We're all going to go through it. We're all going to face dark times. We're all going to face difficulty. And it is according to the will of God. Don't listen to the radio preacher. Don't listen to the TV preacher who tells you if you're right with God, you will have his favor and you will have all of the prosperity and all of the blessings and none of the trouble. That is not Bible teaching. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says all that live godly shall suffer persecution and we through much tribulation shall enter into the kingdom of God. I'm here to tell you today, there will be dark times ahead of us. Don't keep your head in the clouds and think that it's going to be by and by pie in the sky because that's not reality. Reality is we're going to suffer. Reality is we're going to go through difficulty. Reality is we're going to face trials and tribulation. Things that we don't think we can handle. Things that we don't think we can endure. Things that we don't think we're going to make it through. I'm telling you, it's coming. If you're not in it today, it's coming. You may be just coming out of it. You may be in it. You may be going to it. But honey, I'm here to tell you, trials are real and they are reality. It is the reality of the saint. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Thinking, dear God, why'd I come this morning? Because <clears throat> every time the preacher preaches on something, then we have to practice it. <clears throat> but I've got good news. I've got good news. Did you, did you hear what that last verse said? If we suffer according to the will of God. According to the will of God. Now here's the question. Why would a loving God allow his children to go through those dark times? 
Why would he allow Paul to fight lions? Why would he allow Paul to go through times where people mocked him and made fun of him and run him out of the city? Why would he allow Paul to be beaten with rods? Why would he allow Paul to be stoned and left for dead? Many believe that he did die and God brought him back. There was a time when he went and saw the third heaven, possibly. But if God loved him so much, why did he let him do that? If God is all-powerful, if God is almighty, if God is all-knowing, if God knows everything that's going to happen before it happens, why didn't he stop all of this from taking place? Why does he stop the pain? Why does he stop the suffering? If he knew how bad I would hurt, if he knew how bad I would feel, if he loves me so much, why is he allowing me to go through this mess? There's some reasoning. There's some reasoning. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that knowing the reasoning is going to take all the pain away. I'm not going to be so foolish as to say that. But I do know this. Sometimes knowing the why helps you deal with the what. Are y'all with me? There is a reasoning behind the suffering. There is a reasoning behind the suffering. I really thought that this would be the whole message, but God had allowed me to put point number three. And by the way, there's going to be A, B, and C under number two, but nothing under number three. Well, I do. I lied. There's a two under. I didn't lie. I just kind of forgot. There is an A and B under number three, but it's a quick one, all right? What in the world? Why would God do that? Why would God allow this in Paul's life? Why would... God allowed Paul to get to the point that he thought he was going to die. He despaired even of life. He saw no way out. He went through it. Look in verse number number three. The reasoning for suffering. The reasoning behind our trials, our valleys, our darkness. Blessed be God. He just starts with praise. Amen. Hey, let me tell you something. I'm going to just throw this in here. I'm not even going to charge you for this. But uh, sometimes praise can do as much as prayer. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation. That, that, now he's going to give you a reason. You with me? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Now, here's what I want you to write down. Suffering is preparation. A, write that down. A, why does God let me go through this? He is equipping you and he is preparing you for a ministry to someone else. Now, I want to, let me just say this because I'm going to just get this out the way. The problem with most of us and the reason we're getting hung up and we're having such a hard time with our darkness, with our trial, with our valley, with our difficulty, because our life is all about us. We, y'all are going to be real disappointed when NASA finally gets a satellite to the center of the universe and find out you ain't there. I'm I'm, I'm telling you this, and I'm I'm trying to be funny because this is a sensitive topic. 
When, when, you, when you go and you get in somebody's face and you tell them you're full of yourself and all you think about yourself and all you care about yourself, you don't ever think about others. That's the right you're going through what you're going through. You, 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 that's, that's very abrasive, so I'm trying to be funny, so you won't stone me. <clears throat> but the truth is, sometimes we all are about ourselves. All we can see is what I am missing, what I am lacking, what I am needing, what I am wanting. And our eyes are on nothing but ourself. And Paul, this is, this is amazing. Paul's been stoned and he's been beaten with rods and, and he's been beaten with whips on his back, put in prison, his life threatened. They're trying to kill him. Yet all he can think about is how he's going to help somebody else through the help that he got from God through his past trial. What if our, what if our minds changed? What if our thought process changed? Instead of moaning and groaning over our pain and over our sorrow and over our darkness, what if our minds got, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to help the person that's going through the trial that I'm facing today. One day I'm going to come out of this thing. One day I'm going to come out of this valley. One day I'm going to walk out in victory. One day I'm going to walk out healed and whole. And there's going to be somebody that's facing what I'm facing. And I'm going to be able to help them. I'm going to be able to encourage them. I'm going to be able to say, hey, if God did it for me, God can do it for you. Man, I tell you what, I, I'll never forget all the days of my life. I'll never forget. In Bible college, Dr. Brown, Dr. Brown told a story of his, his wife was pregnant with twins. She was pregnant with twins. He was pastoring a church, and it was one of them kind. Wasn't nothing like y'all, thank God. <clears throat> they gave him so much grief. They would, they would leave notes where Miss Brown would sit every Sunday and say, can't he dress you any better than that? Let me tell you something. People can be cruel. And church people can be the cruelest. I said church people, not Christians. They didn't like the way he was leading so they attacked the weaker vessel. That's just like the devil. And they put her under such stress, she went into labor early. Way early, too early. He rushed her to the hospital, and they got, listen, they got into the hospital, the emergency room, and they were going up the, up the elevator, and, and, and from what I remember of the story, she had one of the babies in the elevator. And then it passed away, it didn't make it, and upstairs and delivered the other. Neither one of them made it, they both died. They had a funeral for both of their babies. And the doctor told, the doctor told Preacher Brown, said, listen, I don't know what you're going through, I don't know what you're facing, but stress killed these babies. He knew what they were going through. You're talking about Darkness. You're talking about despair. Here you're preaching the gospel. You're trying your best to help people. You're trying your best to love people. And all they're doing is stabbing you in the back. And now you're standing in a grave of your two babies. You think, what in the world? Why would God let me go through this? Let me tell you something. In the moment, you can't see it. 
But a few years later, a preacher was preaching in a revival. Miss Diane don't always go with the revivals, and, and she just happened to go on this one, and she was there on the front row. He's preaching, and during the invitation, a young lady comes, and she comes to the, to the altar, and she's weeping, broken, and hurting, and crying, and, 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 and different people. Y'all, y'all see how, how we try to help people at the altar. We try to pray with them and encourage them and administer them if we can, and, and, and different people tried, and she just wouldn't have it. She just wouldn't have it. You can't help me. You can't help me. And Miss Brown came and knelt beside her and began to pray. Say, honey, what's wrong? She said, you don't understand. You don't understand. God took my baby. You don't understand. And she said, let me tell you a little story. And she began to open up to her and tell her about her twin babies. And begin to share with her how God gave her grace and how God gave her strength. And in the midst of the trial, she didn't think she would make it, but God brought her through. And if God brought her through, he could bring you through. And let me tell you something. There was preachers all in that building and not one single one of those preachers. I don't care what what kind of degrees they had beside their name. They couldn't help that woman like Miss Brown could help that woman. You know why? Because God had prepared her in a place of darkness, in a place of despair, in a place of trial, in a place of tribulation and suffering and sorrow. God gave her the ability to help somebody else. You see that suffering, the reasoning for suffering here in this verse, we find out it's so we can help someone else. God is preparing us. God is equipping us to be a blessing to someone else. Not only that, Number two, or B, the reasoning behind our suffering is not only about preparation. Listen, it's about persuasion. It's about persuasion. I want you to look at the next, the next verse down in verse number, verse number eight. Are you okay? Everybody with me? Verse eight, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above what? In other words, we didn't have no more. It was beyond our limit. Do you hear what he's saying? It was beyond the the limit of what we can handle. It was beyond the limit of what we understood. It was beyond the limit of our endurance. It was beyond the limit of our ability. It was beyond the limit of our strength. We had nothing left. We had nothing left. We didn't have any strength. We didn't have any answers. We didn't have any knowledge. We didn't have any wisdom. It brought us to the point of despair. We despaired even of life. You remember what it said? No exit. We didn't find no way out. We thought it was over. Watch. Watch. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. That, there's that word again, that we should not trust in, but in which raises the dead. 
So what in the world is God trying to persuade me? He's trying to persuade you that you're nothing and he's everything. Until you are, now watch now, now, now stay with me, stay with me, this is so important. Until you are pushed past the limit of your ability, of your strength, of your knowledge. Listen, you'll never see what he can do. You'll never experience his power. You'll never understand how weak you really are. We, we, we are so full of ourselves sometimes. That trial will come and we'll rack our brain trying to figure out how to solve it. That financial issue will come and we'll try to figure out what we can sell, what we can manipulate, what we can do here, how we can work overtime. Instead of just coming to God and saying, God, I'm at the limit. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the end of my ability. I'm at the end of what I can do. I need some help. It is a shame. It is a shame. I'm going to put myself right here. I'm going to put myself right here because I did it this week. I kind of got overwhelmed this week. All of a sudden, it just like everything come at me this week. And, and I just sat in my car and I wanted to cry. And I'm telling you, and it was because I didn't go to him first. It is sad that most of us, not most of us, many of us will wait till we get to that point till we do go to him. I know some of y'all are a whole lot more spiritual than me, but I'm a fixer, man. I want to fix it. I want to change it. I want to stop it. I want to do whatever is necessary to be done. I, I, I'm trying it myself. But you know what God will do? He'll, God, he'll take you to the limits of your ability. He'll take you to the limits of your understanding. He'll take you to the limits of your strength where you have nothing else to say, nothing else to do. You are totally helpless so he can move in and do it for you. And so you can see you don't need to trust in your intellect. You don't need to trust in your strength. You don't need to trust in your endurance. You need to trust in him. You need to see that he's all you need. Sometimes I'm afraid you won't see that he's all you need, that he's all you got. Church say amen. Paul said, God don't want me trusting in anything but him. God doesn't want me trusting in my education. God doesn't want me trusting in my financial stability. Have y'all figured this out by now that whatever it is you're leaning on, he's going to kick it out from under you? (laughs) Yeah. He wants you to trust him. You see, suffering is persuasion. And sometimes it's not until we're in that dark hour that we look up. David said, I will look to the hills which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. And all God's people see it. And this is a good one. I've never seen this one. Look in chapter 4. Turn to chapter 4 quickly, quickly. Running out of time. You're listening too slow. You there? Say amen. amen. Look what it says in verse 8. 2 Corinthians 4 8. You there? 
We are troubled. Where? On every side. Yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. If you look in verse 16, for which cause, now he's fixing to give you a reason. You see that? For which cause? It's kind of like the that word in the other two verses. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, (laughs) our light affliction. He's calling beaten with rods and stoned. Five times being whipped with 39 stripes on his back. Shipwreck. Being betrayed and lied about from his own countrymen. Perils of everywhere. He's calling that a light affliction. He said, how in the world could he call that a light affliction? Right here. (laughs) I know where I'm going. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. That's enough. I can stop right there and we can shout. You missed a good shouting point right there. Is but for a moment. You ever heard that phrase, this too shall pass? I love it when the psalmist said, yea, though I walk through the valley. He said, I didn't come here to stay. (laughs) Yeah, preacher, preach, bishop, preach right now. It worketh. It worketh for us. Son, there's enough preaching. I ain't even got to the point. <clears throat> this affliction that we're going through, the, the good thing about it, it's not for long. Even though it feels like it's lasting forever, it's but for a moment. It's going to be over. And I know it's working for me. <clears throat> it's working. Say it with me. It's working for me. It's working for me. You, you see, God's not going to waste any pain. God's not going to waste any suffering. If he allows you to go through it, it's working for you. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we, key word, underline that in your Bible. While we look, 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 underline look. Not at the things which are, underline seen, seen. But at the things which are not seen, underline seen. For the things which are seen, underline that again, are temporal. Say, what is temporal? Temporary. But the things which are not are Why is God allowing me to go through this? One, it's, it's preparation. <clears throat> Two, it's persuasion. He's trying to persuade you that you're nothing and he's everything. You need him. Three, it's perspective. 
It's perspective. Now, I know you're thinking, well, that's not, that's not as good as the other two. It's better than the other two. God will allow suffering and trials and persecution in your life to change your perspective. To change how you see things. To get you to look from the temporal to the eternal. You with me? Let me me try to illustrate this. I was, I was, I was at home and, and, and my dad was helping me at the house and, and he left and, 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 and he come back wide open like a wild maniac driving in the truck. And I thought, what is his problem? He pulls in and he says, your mother's been in a wreck. I said, oh. So I get in the car with him. And, and we go back down there, and then he's driving worse going down there, and I'm hollering, him, slow down, slow down, you're going to kill us both. We get there, and there's mom, she's okay, and her van's up, you know, nose down in the ditch, down in the rocks in the ravine there, and talking to the, talking to the trooper and the, and, and the guy there, and the trooper, he, he's, he'd gone to church here, and he said, man, I used to go to church. I said, what do you mean used to? He said, well, I moved away. I said, okay, I'll let you slide there, amen. And we got to talking, and so they, they hook up, they hook up the, 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 the uh, what they hook up? Wrecker. They hooked up the wrecker to the van. <clears throat> and I'm standing there with my phone, like, you know, we do nowadays, amen. I'm videoing the, the, the thing coming out of the, I mean, you just care now. And, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Tammy's phone goes off. As I'm videoing the van coming out, just having a big time thinking this is the coolest thing in the world, I hear Tammy said, oh no. A lady just called her and said, ma'am, your daughter's been in a wreck. I'm videoing my mother's wreck. And somebody calls and says, your daughter's been in a wreck. Not, not two miles from where I'm standing. Y'all know we jump in, in the truck and we take off and we're going there. And we get there and we, Kenzie's car is a mess. It's sitting there on the side road total. And she's standing there. You know how to get that little lip, lip quiver. So her mother's over there hugging her and everything. And I, I seen she's okay. And I'm just standing there looking at this car. This car only had 70,000 miles. This was a Volvo with heated seats and a moonroof. I mean, it was built like a tank, man. It was great. It was a car. You ain't never going to find another car like that. Total. I know they're going to total it. Tore all the pieces. And all of a sudden, that trooper came by. Same trooper. <laughs> I kid you not, I'm not making this up. He said, young lady, you were going too fast. 
He said, I could write you a huge ticket, but I respect your father. I said, He said, man, let me tell you something. He said, you need to slow down. Because there's too many times I have to go knock on the door of the parents and say they're not coming home. Man, when he said that, I'm talking about I just got cold all over, all the way down to my toes. You know what the last thing on my mind was? I wasn't thinking about heated seats. I wasn't thinking about a moonroof. I wasn't thinking about I'll never find another car like this, that cheap, that I didn't know. I didn't get all I thought about what was important is she's coming home. You can replace a car, but you can't replace Kenzie. You know, sometimes in life we get so caught up with this world, we get so caught up with this life, we get so caught up with these temporal things and these things that we can see in our hobbies and our jobs and everything else that we forget that this world is not our home. We are just passing through. And sometimes God has to take us through a valley to change our perspective in the way we think. Maybe you're getting too comfortable with this world. Maybe you're getting too comfortable with this life. Maybe you're thinking it's all about this world and God is letting you know you're not a child of this world. You're a child of the high king. You are of another world that this place is not yours. Don't get too caught up with this world. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like tragedy. There's nothing like sorrow. There's nothing like a deep valley that'll get you to thinking about what's truly important. And he says this affliction that we're going through, it gets us to see. It gets us to see. It changes our perspective. It gets us to see what's really important. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Lastly, quickly, mercy. Number, Number three, the reinforcement for our suffering. Really, the, the message is number two, <clears throat> but I can't leave you there because sometimes knowing the reason that we're going through something is not enough. I want to give you two things. Write these two things and shut your book and look at me. I want to talk about it. <clears throat> First, I want to tell you about the helper. <clears throat> and then I want to tell you about the help. <clears throat> the helper. Blessed be God. Let me say it again. Blessed be God. Let me say it again. Blessed be God. Did you notice before Paul talked about his trial, before he talked about his despair, before he talked about his darkness, he said, blessed be God. He started out with praise. He started out with worship. And he said, blessed be God. Listen, blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. The word Father there means source. He's the source of all of our mercies. His mercies are abundant. They're new every morning. He is the God of all comfort. Somebody say amen. Whatever comfort you need, he's the God of it. If you are, listen, if, oh, come on, get with me, church. 
He's the eternal God. He's the everlasting God. He is the almighty God. He's the powerful God. He's the all-knowing God. The God who knows every hair on our head. He has all power and all might. He's the God of all comfort. Say, preacher, I'm in the darkness. You're not alone. There is a God who's walking through it with you. He's walking through it with you. The same word that's used here in comfort and comforteth is the same word that's used with the parakletos. It is the comforter that we see in John, the Holy Spirit that God sends, the comforter. And listen, this is what it means. This is what it means. It means to come alongside. Are y'all with me? It means to come alongside. He's going to come stand beside you in the fire. He's going to come stand beside you in the den of lions. He's going to come stand beside you in the valley of giants. He's going to come stand beside you in your financial crisis. He's going to come stand beside you in whatever you need him to be. Now put on your seatbelt. Because you may not amen this. You may owe me it. But do you need it? His help may not look like what you think. His help may not look like what you think. Sometimes when we see that word comfort, we have this image of a mama. How many of y'all seen that baby pass around to everybody and that baby wouldn't have it until mama got a hold to it? Shh. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Maybe stick a binky in their mouth. Pacifier. Maybe take it out of its situation. Maybe it's scared of the dark and it takes it out of the situation and holds it. And comforts it and pampers it. That's not what this is talking about. God is not going to pamper you. Listen, the comfort that you're looking for may be sympathy. But God is not the God of sympathy. And sympathy is not what you need. He's not going to give you sympathy. He's going to give you strength. He's not going to take away the darkness. He's going to stand beside you in it. God is not trying to develop sissies. He's trying to develop soldiers. And some of us are in a bad way because we're looking for our binky. And we're wanting sympathy. And we're wanting God to take away the trial and take away the valley and take away the darkness and take away the sorrow and take away the pain. We used to sing a song when I was a little kid. God, don't move that mountain. Just give me strength to climb. 
For if you should move each mountain, I'd grow weaker every time. Listen, it is the valley that makes you strong. It's the darkness that builds you up. It's the hardships that gives you the strength that you need and the endurance you need. God is not going to pamper you. God's not going to give you a binky. God's going to strengthen you and say, you can do it. Go another mile. Go another step. You got this. I'm with you. He's going to come alongside. He's going to come alongside. I want y'all to watch this a minute. This is, this is Derek Redmond in the Olympics. And this totally illustrates what I'm trying to tell you today.
Give the Lord praise and glory. <laughs> Blessed be the God who comes alongside. When you're hurting, when you can't make it, when you think you can't take another step, He comes and lifts you up. And he doesn't take you out of the race. He just helps you to the finish line. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like Paul. And you say, I'm at the point of despair.